to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers, the Statistics and Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Tracy. And I'm Corbin Hill. And uh, we're, we're doing some stuff today. We got uh, a mock draft from the NFL that Corbin has put together for us. We're going to mention our official movie picks for Monday's non-sports-related episode as we um, talk about some movies we're going to watch over the weekend. And uh, we'll see if we can squeeze a baseball stat or two in there just to close things out. Sound good to you, Corwin? Sounds fantastic. All right, then let's uh, let's start with with this uh, with this mock draft. Actually, let's start with the the brief little bit of um, football news we have, since there's so little sports news to go around of yeah. Alden Smith signing. Yeah, so Alden Smith signed uh, a one year deal with the Cowboys. Um, hasn't played a snap in the NFL since 2015, so this will be a, I guess it's a four or five year absent absence i don't want to do the simple math in my head um which is interesting because man he is really good at football when he's actually playing football um the only game or the last season that he played uh all 16 games was in 2012 and he just happened to have 19 and a half sacks which is you know as you might imagine really really fucking good his rookie year played 16 games, didn't start a single game, and still racked up 14 sacks. Um, started eight games the following year and racked up eight and a half sacks, and then it tapered off the uh, the rest of his career. wasn't uh, uh, much of a starter and had some injury and suspension issues uh, with five and a half sacks over his final two years. This is intriguing, um, especially with the change to the uh, substance abuse policy with the new CBA. Um, I'm intrigued to see Alden Smith play. I don't know if I'm excited to have him back in the NFL. Um, I will be very excited if he has truly turned himself around and you know uh, has straightened himself out, but I can't say I'm going to give him a whole ton of leniency and I'm definitely not going to have too much hope. He's going to turn into, you know, anything close to the player he was. Certainly worth the gamble though. Right. Like, especially on a team that already has um, good defensive depth in certain areas. Gotta be worth the flyer. Right. Mm -hmm. Especially, you know, the Cowboys need help uh, when it comes uh, to rushing the passer. That is, Something we'll talk about in the mock draft, which I might have to change now. We'll see. Um, I, I'm not going to change it because I don't think they're putting any faith in Alden Smith sticking around it uh, for very long, a la Randy Gregory, who is still on that team. Um, but it is, like you said, it's a really great let's see because um, it could be uh, one hell of a signing if it works out. Yeah, I guess we'll waiting and fucking see is i guess all there is to say it's, it's just interesting to see a player come back after that long i really can't think of another instance of a player coming back after that long the only ones that come to mind michael jordan coming back to basketball but that even wasn't four or five seasons that was only what three i think i think it was two was it two um yeah. and i know mario lemieux coming back to hockey after making the hall of fame and beating cancer was mm-hmm. also a big one Again, um, that's that's a little different because it's super different. It's it's cancer. It's not you know a drug addiction or you know DUIs like that. But um, 
yeah, I guess we'll see how this goes. This could end up being best case scenario. This is like great for the Cowboys, and worst case scenario, this is a non sequitur for the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. It's um, yeah, it, it's definitely intriguing for Cowboys. They've had a, a just a weird off season. Absolutely uh, bizarre. But it'll hey. be uh, it'll be interesting to see what their draft strategy is because. They put a lot of money into signing players for that defense. And, you know, there's a change in coaching staff. There's a change in philosophy. So the Cowboys are going to be very different next year. Yeah, I was going to say, it, it, it's a winning offseason for the Cowboys if solely by virtue of the fact that they got rid of um, uh, their fucking head coach. Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett. So, yep. Yeah. Uh, sure any other fo- any other football news you uh, you got before we head into the draft? Not particularly. All right. Um, so we still don't know what's going to happen with the draft. Uh, it's fairly certain that it's still going to be held because there's a lot of pressure to maintain it. Um, I still don't know what the official format's going to be. I don't know how it's going to be broadcast, if that's going to change at all. Who fucking knows? But there should still be a first round of 32 picks, which is what we're going to do today. So basically, I went through today what I would do in this situation uh, for all 32 teams. Uh, I didn't try to you know, force anybody to end up in any certain uh, situation. Um, I basically went through one pick at a time, made these picks as I would for each one of these teams. I allowed myself one trade because I didn't want things to get too crazy out of hand and too far from reality as what it most likely will end up being. There's going to be more than one trade in the first round. I almost guarantee it. But when you start doing that, things quickly are on a path towards unrecognizable. Um, So I limited myself to one trade, which will show up pretty early. yeah, so I guess I'll go through it. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, just do your thing and fucking say something. I will chime in as needed. <laughs> All right. Uh, I know we did this last year uh, of you guessing what my picks were, and they were actually really good. So I'm going to let you start off first. First overall pick. Do you have any idea who it's going to be? Um, uh, uh, J- Jason Boroskowitz. Uh, A.K.A. Joe Burrows. Yeah, so Joe Burrow, kind of the best prospect that I've watched since really I've started watching film and doing this draft prep. I would say based off of where I view him and where people have viewed, you know, ranked quarterbacks in the past, I would say this is the best quarterback prospect we've had since Andrew Luck, which was 20... 11 2013 uh one of those years i, I want to say 2011 um i want to say it oh damn it now i don't know if it's 2013 or not no it must have been i know it wasn't 2012 because that was cam newton um they weren't I the just same don't year? know i really don't know it was it was 2012 i'm just yeah stupid yeah i hope uh, so. yeah okay all right all right yeah so 2012 andrew luck was drafted that's kind of been the bar set for me when it comes to quarterbacks uh prospects quarterback prospects in my 
generation of you know my era, uh, and he's he's right up there. Uh, I would say he is one B to Andrew Luck's one A. Um, he just he has everything. I, I honestly can't say that there's any negatives to his game at this time. You know, he's not RG3. He's not Lamar Jackson running the ball. He's still mobile. And I guess that's the only thing you could hold against him is that he's not an electric superstar running the ball. Throwing the ball, intelligence, poise, everything else, he is near perfect rates. Um, so if the Bengals somehow don't draft Joe Burrow, if Tuo Tagovailoa, if Justin Herbert's their guy, Wow, as a Steelers fan, I would love it. I would absolutely love it, but I don't think they're going to be able to fuck this one up. Um, I, and we always spend more time on on the the like the top ten to fifteen picks than we do the bottom ten to fifteen picks for obvious reason. They're more interesting players and and been better players at the top. Um, so just to inject a question here, if the Bengals, uh, I should say, when the Bengals draft Joe Burrow. How far away do you think they are in terms of playoff contention? Um, I saw some stuff today about how the Bengals could be in the running to win the AFC North this year. Eh, I laughed yeah. at that because I that's, I don't think they're going to be. Lot. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be in contention. One because I don't know if they have the talent top to bottom. That's why I was questioning it, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think they're pretty far from that aspect. Also, the AFC North has the Steelers, which are still a fantastic all-around roster and are contenders next year. The Ravens, who are probably right there with the Chiefs for AFC favorites to go to the Super Bowl. And the Browns have the perfect team to have a contending year. Um, I don't want to say they're contenders yet, but they have everything in their, you know, they have everything they need to contend. Um, so it's going to be really hard for the Bengals to compete in this division, let alone the AFC. Um, but I mean, they have guys like AJ Green, they have Tyler Boyd, they have um, uh, fucking Jonah Williams, first round pick from last year at left tackle. No, uh, they have Jonah Joe Mixon. They the actor Jonah Hill. <laughs> Honestly, Jonah Hill, Moneyball. Jonah Hill would probably be just as good as some of the offensive linemen they've had in the past couple of years. But they still have a, a lot of work to do to fill out that roster. Um, but Joe Burrow is is set. You know that position is set. That offense. You need some offensive linemen to protect him. He's going to be fine without great protection around him because of his skill set and what he can do his intelligence just knowing where to put the ball when things break down is bar none uh brett coleman has a great video on it um but they're set they just need to get good players through the draft through free agency and they can compete and i'd probably say four or five years um okay It'll be the, the tail end of his rookie contracts uh, that I think they're going to be able to compete, not that they will be competing. I, I, I want to say three years, only because I think the turnaround time 
as teams have learned more about how to build a team in the modern era using better mm-hmm. schematics for tanking and um, have created better valuations of where their players are and where players that they can acquire are, I'll say that that maybe if the Bengals did it right, you could see them vying for a spot in three seasons. Granted, the Browns have had so much time and have done nothing with it that it makes it hard to say that with a too straight of a face. But I think if you have that like true, true starting quarterback, uh, which the Browns, it's still a question. They definitely have a starting quarterback, but they don't have like an Andrew Luck. Um, mm-hmm. I would think maybe you could see a three-year turnaround. It would be tough, but I don't know. It's it's a possibility. Yeah, this definitely puts them in a in a good position to do that quick turnaround because this is the key piece. But that's they'd have to land way. on a, a good chunk of their draft prospects the next couple of years, uh, especially early on. All right, let's talk about pick two. So the Redskins pick number two, uh, the the top player outside of Joe Burrow is Chase Young. Um, honestly, as far as pass rushers go, he is he is a marquee player. Uh, I don't want to say generational just because of how good edge rushers have been in the draft the past couple of years, um, but I would say he is closer to Miles Garrett of today than any of these other he he's basically he's a grown ass man who is going to come in and put up sacks in the teens year one. Um I've never seen an edge rusher in the Big Ten be as dominant as he has been uh over his career. Um he is just he's on another level compared to, you know, some of the Big Ten tackles that are going to be first round picks. You know, I have Iowa's uh, left tackle going in the top 10. He dominated it. And Chase Young is the man. But I don't have them drafting him because I have the Chargers trading up with the Redskins to number two overall to take Tua Tagovailoa, quarterback out of Alabama. Um, the Redskins don't have a dire need for edge rusher right now. They have Ryan Kerrigan and they have Montez Sweat, both very good players. They do have a very bad need for cornerback, which Jeff Akuda is a top player um, who could fall to them at number six. And the Chargers need a quarterback. And the Dolphins are right there ahead of them at number five. The Chargers are in a position where if they had a quarterback, they could compete for a Super Bowl this year. Um, So I don't see them trying to let the Dolphins grab their dude and just settle for whoever the number three quarterback is going to end up being in this class. And I see them being a little more aggressive than the Dolphins, trading up number two overall um, and taking two attack of Iloa. I will say... I could totally see the Dolphins doing this exact same move, this exact same trade, um, because they have the draft capital to move up. Um, But it's really who wants it more. And I think because the Chargers are in a position to compete right away, um, they're going to get this trade over the Dolphins. So in here, I wrote that they're giving up their, uh, their sixth overall pick, 
a second round pick in 2020 and a 2021 first round pick. So hefty, hefty. Uh, actually, I have a third round pick here. So a 2020 first and third and a 2021 one to move up from six to two. Um, we'll see if that's anywhere close to reality, but to a Tiger Bailoa as a charger. Well, I mean, I could see if this pans out for the Chargers. I mean, they're relatively speaking outside of the position of quarterback and a few pieces of depth. They are kind of a win now team. So that 2021 first, if all goes right for the Chargers this upcoming season, isn't that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I like this. I think, I'm sorry. I said, yeah, I like this. Uh, it's one of those things where I don't know how likely this is to happen in reality uh, just because of how many other factors are involved. But this, I feel like some people would hate on this. I would absolutely love it. Um, and I think for the Redskins, we'll talk about the Redskins later. So let's move on to pick number three. Uh, the Detroit Lions, they're the ones taking Chase Young. Uh, he's someone I want to label as a can't-miss prospect. Um, I will say, you know, he isn't perfect um, when it comes to stopping the run. He's not the same level as other uh, you know, number one edge rushers were in the past couple classes. Like Nick Bosa, excellent defender against the the run. Uh, his teammate at Ohio State, Chase Young, isn't quite at that level, but he makes up for that with just superior pass rush ability and just being a absolute freak. Um, the Lions don't have you know a, a huge need at edge rusher. Uh, they have a lot more needs overall. Um, there's a lot of ways that they can go here, but. You really can't miss on this kind of talent, uh, especially falling to you at number three. Could easily be the best player overall in the class. Yeah, you have here as your note, can't pass on Young, and that's about all there is to say, isn't there? Yeah, I, I wanted to write more for this, but that that's it. Like That's, that's all it's, you have to know. It's just the easy one, yeah. All right, so uh, moving on to number four, the New York Giants. Uh, there's a couple ways I want to go here. They, I don't have them going best player available. I have them going Jedrick Wills, uh, offensive tackle from Alabama. I thought about this. I thought about what they're most likely to do. They're most likely going to draft Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson. But that's not what I would do. Uh, I'd love having a guy like Simmons on this team. But building a foundation to build off of with the young quarterback is what's most important. Um, having bookend tackles that you can rely on year in, year out, um, being able to protect a young quarterback, giving him time to process, uh, go through his reads, make smart decisions, not get rushed, not get hurt. That's how you, in my mind, develop a franchise quarterback. Um, Daniel Jones had a good season last year, didn't have a great one. You could easily fit Jedrick Wills in at left or right tackle. He's has that kind of flexibility uh, at that he played both at Alabama. Um, if you want to move Nate Solder over to the right side and have uh, Wills be your guy of the future on the left, perfect. Works already. Um, they could have gotten Jeff Okuda here as well, but they've invested so much money in draft capital into cornerback. I don't see them just just putting more more players in that already crowded cornerback room. So Jedrick Wills, uh, Alabama. 
The problem with the Giants is that there's no right or wrong answer to what position they should be drafting right now. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's no real strategy and they've put themselves <laughs> into such a bad spot. Because like if you're uh David Gettleman, according to what we've been seeing in the news, he is on a hot seat. And it's like, okay, I guess that means we have to win now. But the problem is the Giants just can't win now. There's no tenable way for them to do that. So you're hoping for a rebuild, but there's so many positions to rebuild. The Giants are probably going to be bad this upcoming season, almost no matter what. So they have a ton of positions that they need to either refill or revamp. So this ma- this pick makes about as much sense as about as literally every any other pick. They have a top four pick. It's hard to fuck that up, but it's just like it's like the they're gonna be a bad to mediocre team in a bad to mediocre division, and um, it it it's it's a good player. I hope it works out for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I heard that rumor about David Gellman basically having a year to turn things around or he's gone. Um, I don't know about anyone else, but I can't imagine that is an effective way to build a team, basically saying you have one year, one chance to do it. If you don't, you're fired. Uh, That's going to lead to a lot of bad decisions and investments and decisions that are extremely short-sighted, sighted, um, that aren't in the best long-term interest of the team. Uh, I mean, Dave Gettleman, he's not here to build a championship dynasty for the Giants anymore. He's here to save his job this year. Um, And he's going to be doing everything he can to build a contender this year, not build a contender over the next few years. And there's going to be some interesting decisions, to say the least. uh, All right, so with the Redskins moving up, I'm sorry, the Chargers moving up to number two, the Dolphins are sitting at number five and take Justin Herbert, quarterback out of Oregon. Um, My rationale here was they have the capital to move up, but there are so many holes on that team overall. Um, They need defensive linemen. They need, actually, they don't need quarterbacks. They need safeties. They need linebackers. They need... Just star players, both at running back, wide receiver, tight end, just all over the map. They can't afford to trade away all these picks, all these high picks as well, just to move up for a quarterback that, you know, without being able to see his medical, it's going to be a huge question mark. So they settle on Justin Herbert, if you want to call it a settle. Um, Just the capital is better spent elsewhere. So they stay put and land him at number five. Uh, yep, the Dolphins need a quarterback, and they draft one. Easy as that. I, I agree, yeah. I would say Justin Herbert is solidly my quarterback three. Uh, I think there's each one of these three guys is in a tier of their own, uh, one, two, three. I think Justin Herbert definitely has one of uh, the higher ceilings in this class, uh, probably equally high of a ceiling as Tua. But I just have a lot of uh, mental question marks with him uh, that have been around since we started talking about this year's class last year. Um, So some of them have been answered. Some of them haven't. Uh, We'll just see how it works out. Well, we know how good Miami is at uh, developing talent. So I'm sure he'll be fine. 
Yeah, they're going to break him if uh, if they don't play this smart. Yeah, uh, number six, the Redskins. They're finally taking Jeff Okuda. Uh, this trade works out for them. They land him at number six. This guy is my number three player overall in the class. Uh, he is a lockdown corner from day one. Will instantly be their number one uh, on that defense. He has the ability to be... I would say he's the caliber prospect that you see in a guy like Marshawn Lattimore, um, Patrick Peterson. Uh, who's the fucking guy from the Browns um, from Ohio State? Drafted like fourth overall. Um, this is so your area. I'm so bad at this. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter. It's on the tip of my tongue, but I don't want to get stuck on it forever. He's a superstar. He's going to be a superstar. He is a shutdown man corner. Uh, I think that Ron Rivera trying to rebuild that defense, this is their biggest hole by far. Uh, and I think this is where they uh, they really fill out that defense. Um, yeah, I, the Panthers need help. They lost a linebacker and they gain a No, wait, we're looking at the, the fuck. The I gave it away. We're looking at the Redskins. Damn it. Yeah, uh, I, I, I said Ron Rivera. That's a easy. It fucked me up. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, that's so weird. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, pretty much everything you said, which is how always how it goes with football, because you're so good at talking about it. Um, the Redskins are hoping Dwayne Haskins takes a step forward uh, to help them out with uh, gaining ground of that division, which is so incredibly up for grabs. Um, and having a lockdown corner is a great step in, in making that progress. And it'll help with the development of uh, Montez Sweat and the other uh, the, the defensive line in general, having better cornerback fly. I'm amazed how quickly people have just given up on um, uh, Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, I know. He's like barely started and he started under a exceedingly dysfunctional coaching staff. Yeah, like the only quality player they had on that, you know, offensive skill position group was uh, a rookie, rookie wide receiver. A rookie um, wide receiver? Yeah, listen, this is going to be the first of many, many verbal mistakes that I make tonight, so... Get ready for the ride. I just he he did not have a good situation. I mean, Geis and Peterson were you know good running backs there, but they didn't exactly light up the world when it came to running the ball last year. So I th I think they need to give him some significant leeway going into next year. Yeah, I, I with, with a good coach and 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 the right system, I think he'll probably be fine. It's yeah. it's, it's it's you can't judge anyone based on what happened with the Redskins. The last three years, so yeah, and I mean, come on, nobody's had a bad rookie season and you know come back from it. God, Peyton Manning. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so next up at number seven, the Panthers, uh, Isaiah Simmons. Uh, he is. It, it's hard to say what position he's going to play at the next level. He is basically a super utility knife. Um, he has played everything at Clemson. He's been a middle linebacker. He's been an outside linebacker. He's been an edge rusher. Uh, he's played safety. He's played slot corner. He's done everything and can do everything. Um, do you know what he ran in the 40 this year at the Combine? I don't, so I'm going to guess 4-5. Uh, he is a, I, I want to say he's 6'3", 239, and he ran a 4-3-9. God damn. He is just like, if you want to think about superstar athletic linebackers, I don't even know who comes to the, the front of the list. He could easily be the most athletic, uh, you know, linebacker 
out like he could be the most athletic player outside of cornerbacks and a handful of safeties in all of the NFL next year. He is just on a whole nother level. Luke Keekley retired. I know this isn't going to be a one-for-one replacement, but damn, is he going to do a really good job of just filling in all the little holes that need filled on that defense next year. He's going to do everything for them. Uh, I think he could easily become a very special player. This this draft class especially has a very deep top 10. I I've think, been noticing. Um, it's one of those things where, honestly, maybe even the top 15 – the top of this draft class is unreal with how many special players and just athletic players there are. So <laughs> if you're in the top 15, you're lucky. You guys lucked out. Uh, hey, uh, that's one of my teams. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're there. <laughs> we'll definitely get there. Uh, so. so number eight, moving on, the Cardinals are taking Tristan Wirfs, offensive tackle out of Iowa. Probably the most athletic tackle out of this class, uh, right up there with Jedrick Wills. Um, I originally was going to have a wide receiver here, and then some things have happened, uh, a couple trades, and now they don't need a wide receiver anymore. How so, weird is that? I know, right? Like they must have given up a whole lot to get you know some really good wide receivers, but whatever. This is basically a an easy pick to just pencil in the position. Um, you got to protect Kyler Murray. I know he, uh, he has the ability to be mobile, to avoid pressure, but at the same time, he's young, he's small. I've been very vocal about being worried about him taking punishment. You have the ability to take uh, a tackle, the number two tackle in this class in one of the best offensive tackle drafts in the past couple of years. So I think this is an easy pick to uh, to project to them. Right on. Makes sense. Uh, you, you notice that a lot, of, a lot of teams with young quarterbacks are trying to get some uh, offensive linemen around them. Yeah, I mean, mm, I know I, this, I said at the beginning, this is what I'd be doing. <laughs> I don't think it's a surprise that all of these offensive tackles are going to teams that have young quarterbacks that need protection. That's going to be a very consistent uh, motif in this. Uh, yeah, it's almost like it's hard to develop if you're constantly getting pummeled. Fuck, man. If, if only teams could figure that out. Fucking wild <laughs> concept. Number nine, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Who? I'm sorry, who? What? Her? Egg? Uh, so they're taking Derek Brown, uh, defensive tackle out of Auburn University. This isn't a sexy pick, but he has one of the best highlights I've seen out of uh, all of college football last year. Uh, I want you to look this up while I'm talking about him. Uh, I forget what game it is, but he is basically on the sideline. The coaching staff of Auburn wants him to come into the game. So they have a guy, a uh, defensive lineman, sub out. And have him sub in right as the other team, the offensive team, snaps the ball. So he's on the sideline as the ball is snapped. They're, the Auburn defense is basically playing a man down. He sprints onto the field. And as the play just happens to go to his side and right as – I want to say it's a, a running back catching the ball out of the backfield. Maybe it's a receiver. I can't remember off the top of my head. 
But right as he's about to break out, Derek Brown just comes out of nowhere and just blindsides him and lays him the fuck out. Was and this, just seeing um, him come off the screen out of nowhere, you don't see him get subbed in. He just comes out of nowhere and just all 330, 300 and something pounds of him just blows this guy up. Super this, athletic for Auburn, his size. Is this, Auburn against, is this Auburn against Ole Miss we're talking? Probably. Uh, uh, if you want to share the link to me in the in the chat, I can look at it. Uh, yeah, it's um, it's. I just looked up a highlight reel because I didn't know what to search what to search for, but it was uh, it was the 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 first highlight I saw on this uh, on this video because it's it, it's describing exactly what you're what you're saying. I think. Uh yeah, that's it. Oh yeah. man, just that's a massive human being to just yeah, out, come of out of frame and just out of nowhere just lights this guy up. Um. You know, it's not quite on the level of the Genevian Clowney hit that we always talk about, but well, that was that probably was way funnier. Um, but I, you know, they have some some holes on their defensive line because they, for some reason, traded Calais Campbell, um, and basically, uh, he's a really, really great fit for that team in my mind. Uh, I could see them going and taking a wide receiver here because. DJ Chark and DJ uh, Westbrook aren't exactly uh, superstars. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if someone like CeeDee Lamb or Jerry Judy goes here. Um, but I just really like this fit personally. So uh, I went with Derek Brown at Auburn. Makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, the Jaguars are currently churning and burning through defensive pieces. So wherever they can get them, I guess. Is. Yeah. I can also see a guy like. Uh, May, like it's too early for a cornerback, even though they need it. So maybe a guy like CJ Henderson goes here. I don't know. But yeah, we'll stick with Derek Brown. So to close out the top 10, we have the Cleveland Browns with the latest pick they've had probably in a, in a good while. Um, almost, almost missed out on uh, being in the top 10. But uh, they're the Browns, so they're still here. I have them going, uh, taking another offensive tackle, Andrew Thomas out of Georgia. Uh, my number three, uh, as far as offensive tackles go, by far the biggest need on their roster. He will basically fill in day one starter at left tackle. Uh, this is what completes this team. Uh, I don't see how the Browns could go anywhere here outside of offensive tackle. Um, Baker has no excuses. He has protection, which was his biggest concern last year. Uh, they signed Jack Conklin. They drafted Andrew Thomas. They still have just deep receiving threats. They still have a dynamic duo at running back. If he can't perform at a high level, not just at a good level, but at a high level this year, they really need to think about moving on because otherwise they're just going to be treading water. Um, so this is the pick for them to really complete their team. Yep. It's the Browns. They're, they're, they're going to suck forever, I'm convinced. <laughs> Do whatever you want, Browns. It's a wasted effort. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so next up we have the Jets. Uh, so do you want me to say my pick since you have it in front of you, uh, and then you could give your thoughts where you want to see this go, what you like, what you would prefer? All right, so so you here have here uh, the Jets taking... Uh, uh, I, I guess that's pronounced Mekki Becton. Yes. Or Mekai okay. Becton. Probably Mekai. Uh, anyway, 
the Jets' two, I guess, most glaring needs are offensive line and wide receiver. As we've discussed previously on the show, that the Jets have no one to stop people from touching Sam Darnold, and people need to stop touching Sam Darnold. And at the same time, they also have no one to have Darnold throw the ball to. So those are both there. Like I just said of the Browns, though, the Jets choose to perpetually suck. So <laughs> they probably will continue. Uh, this is Joe Douglas's first draft. Um, and he we've seen throughout the offseason he's made the offensive line a priority. He has also made the choice not to overspend on any offensive linemen, as several have gone that would have certainly been a nice addition to the Jets, but had too high of a price tag, which leads me to think that he's probably looking to draft an offensive lineman just to avoid having um, a high cost commitment on the uh, on the on the payroll and then be forced to play him a la Nate Solder on the Giants. Um and be able to shuffle pieces around while staying under a manual cap. So I, I'm thinking offensive line here makes sense. It probably makes the most sense. It's kind of a shame because this seems like a really nice wide receiver class, and I would really love to say C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy should go to the Jets too so that they could finally have a wide receiver one. And I, I was thinking about it, by the way, last time the Jets had a wide receiver one was uh, 2015 Brandon Marshall. Um, Oof. And they're both huge needs and I don't know where to get them outside of the draft at this point. Um, at the same time, you can't take both of them with pick 11. So taking one or the other would make me happy. So as long as he's one of those two groups, I'm good. And I think they're in a really good position where you, when you look at the best players available, um, I would honestly say that CD lamb is better than, uh, Mackie Beckin Beckton. Um, but the depth at wide receiver and the relative shallowness at offensive tackle is what pushes me towards Becton. Um, I mean, he is he is an absolute monster. Uh, he's going to be a guy that's going to have to develop a little bit, which does give me some pause just because it's hard to trust a team that hasn't been able to develop a left tackle or hasn't really shown that ability just because they they haven't had to um it's it's hard to to give you the quote-unquote worst player even though it still fits one of your biggest needs and the depth of wide receiver means you're going to be able to get a guy in the second round that is going to be your wide receiver one uh most likely it'll be interesting to see how this falls um i could easily see Becton being the fourth offensive tackle taken at number 10, in which case the Jets basically are are gifted the top wide receiver in the class, and that's who they're basically forced to take because of how this draft falls. There's so many different options here. So um, they're lucky enough to be in a position where they are most likely going to have the choice between one of the two. Which is uh, tough because, again, I want both, but it's a good position to be in, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be six of one, half dozen of another. So next up, we have the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, I officially can say that this is going to be the first season, uh, most likely, of the Las Vegas Raiders if we have this season. Um, I have them taking CeeDee Lamb, wide receiver out of Oklahoma. They traded away Amari Cooper last year. Terrell Williams ain't exactly a, a wide receiver one. Uh, and being able to take a guy that, in my mind, is DeAndre Hopkins 2.0 is a pretty good start at having a 
uh, a face of the franchise player for the Raiders. Um, I don't know how long Carr is going to still be with that team. This is even an option for a guy like Jordan Love, uh, quarterback four, to come in here if the Raiders really love him. But I think CeeDee Lamb can be a superstar for them day one, and uh, that's that's the way they go. Yeah, that works out uh, in, in, in my mind as well, which makes it official. So, oh, good job, Corwin. Thanks. Uh, next up is the 49ers, who got this um, pick from the Colts, trading DeForest Buckner earlier in the offseason. Um, they lost Emmanuel Sanders this year. They have a lot of wide receiver twos on the team. Um, but no wide receiver one. So I have them taking Jerry Judy here, wide receiver out of Alabama. I basically view this as a as a mix between like an Odell Beckham 2.0, a Michael Thomas 2.0, uh, absolute electric um, route runner, terrific hands, terrific after the catch. Not the most athletic, but doesn't need to be. I would be super excited to see what Kyle Shanahan can just draw up for him. Um being able to utilize him in so many different ways, uh, so many creative ways. This would be a perfect fit for Jerry Judy, or really any of these wide receivers. Being able to go and play in Shanahan's system uh, would be a perfect match, just the way he would be able to utilize them. Uh, so giving the 49ers a wide receiver one officially uh, might be able to put them right back the Super Bowl and put them over the top. Maybe it's just what Jimmy Garoppolo needs to take that next step. Yeah. We'll see. I don't know if uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is ever going to be able to take that next step five years in a row. However many years it's been since people are saying he's going to break out. But we'll see. Uh, So next up is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the newest NFC Super Bowl favorites because of uh, a nifty little free agent signing they had this offseason. Von Trady. Uh, Yeah, Von Trady. Um surprisingly looking over their roster when I was doing this, there really isn't that many glaring needs for this team. They have done a a very excellent job of both drafting for need and just filling holes and utilizing free agency to, to really maximize, uh, you know, position value and just being able to get the most done in free agency. Um, they could use a running back. They need a couple of safeties, maybe a linebacker. Um, so they have options here. I went with Xavier McKinney, safety out of Alabama. A versatile guy, can play single high. I don't know if that's his best fit. Playing him on the line uh, in the box seems to be uh, a little bit better. He's definitely more of a tougher player. Um, but what makes him special is he may be overall the top um, I'm sorry, the smartest player in this draft, seeing the things that he's able to do, the reads he can make. Uh, he still has some room to grow, but I think uh, I think this is the top safety in the class uh, and would fit in very well on that defense. Um, I will say if any of the tackles fall, one of the top four tackles, excuse me, fall to the Buccaneers here at 14, that should be an easy pick for them. Uh, Donovan Smith, Penn Stater is their left tackle right now. As much of a Penn State bias uh, as I have, I'm not a fan of his, and uh, he he's not going to be the guy for Tom Brady. 
So wow, you saying you're not a fan of his when he's a Penn Stater is the equivalent of you telling him to go kill himself. Yeah, I mean he's talked some mean shit about Penn State over the years, so that may be uh, a reason why. But I can't argue that he is not exactly a a star player on the field. Wow, glaring indictment by Corwin Heller. Yeah, dude, fuck you. Next, <laughs> fuck you, fuck you up, son. <laughs> so next up, we have the Broncos at fifteen. Uh, John Elway drafts another tall white quarterback. Oh, sorry. Uh, that was last year's. Uh, I have Henry Ruggs, the third wide receiver out of Alabama. Uh, a, a receiver for that tall white quarterback that they have right there. Super versatile, super speedy, uh, underutilized at Alabama. I think he's the perfect complement for Cort- Cortland Sutton. Uh, a really great deep threat for Drew Locke, who has a really nice deep ball. Um, he's one of those guys where depending on where the teams uh, evaluate them, he could easily be wide receiver one in this class. Um, he's really shown that he can do it all, even as a smaller guy. Um, I kind of, I don't want to say this is a, a perfect comparison, but what he can do is reminiscent of what Tyree Kill does in the Kansas City offense. He has that kind of playmaking ability. Uh, I think he's he might be a step slower just because Tyreek is so fucking fast. Uh, but goddamn, he he is definitely one of the fastest players in college football. Um, who are we talking about? Oh yeah, Henry Ruggins. Uh, uh, uh well, Ruggs. Uh, uh, Henry Ruggins. He's changing his name later. Um, the Broncos are a mess. The fuck we want here and um, it it doesn't matter who they draft here if their quarterback doesn't pan out. Yeah, uh, I saw some polls where like, people were asking Broncos fans if they'd rather have Drew Locke or Tua Tagovailoa, and it was like 80% said they'd rather have Drew Locke, which is... Wow, really? Bananas. Wow. Um, and then there was a second poll, which was, would you rather have Drew Locke or Joe Burrow? And like 57% said they'd want uh, Drew Locke. I think it was a majority still wanted Drew Locke over Joe Burrow. Oh my God. Which is one of the most insane things I've ever heard. Like, don't get me wrong. I've been a fan of Drew Locke. Um, I think I had him in the first round last year. He played decently well. He's put up good numbers. But Fuck you if you think he's better than Joe Burrow and to attack of Iloa. You're out of your goddamn mind. Man, that take is is the spiciest thing I'll ever see. Wow. I wish I saved those polls so I could like give accurate numbers and not just like go off in my memory, but it was definitely outrageous regardless. Yeah, fuck that. All right. So next up we have the Atlanta Falcons. Um, they lost Desmond Trufant this year. They also sneakily have less holes than I thought they would have. Um, so I'm giving them CJ Henderson, a cornerback out of Florida. Um, I was torn between him and Javon Kinlaw, a defensive tackle out of South Carolina. Um, but then at the end of the day, I realized cornerback is more important than interior defensive line. Uh, or whatever, wherever they would play Kinlaw. So I gave them CJ Henderson. 
What was that, Josh? So tell that to the Jets. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> Can we stop drafting these interior defensive linemen? They're going to draft Derek Brown, trade back into the first, and take Ken Lawn. They're just going to redraft um, um, Leonard Williams at this point. They're going to trade their first round pick for Leonard Williams. Oh, oh, would, oh. would you give up on your Jets fandom if they did that? Like, in all honesty, if they traded for uh, what's-his-face that they just traded to the Giants, Williams. would you give up on the Jets? The thing is, no. Like, I, I, I would give up on, on Joe Douglas, and I would be very sad, but I don't know what it would take for, the, for me to give up on the actual concept of the Jets. But uh, they're certainly trying. <laughs> They 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 they've made me aware that they don't want me. Yeah, like honestly, like I would basically say take a pause from football for the next five years or until Joe Douglas is fired because uh, that would be devastating. It would never happen in a million years, but damn. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So next up, pick seventeen, we have the Dallas Cowboys. Despite just taking Alden Smith in free agency, I have them going. Uh, I want you to try this name, Josh, before I say it. I want you to give this one attempt. Uh, Kalevon Chasen? That's great. That was spot on. That was really? excellent. Yeah, that was excellent. Wow. I'm proud of myself. <laughs> can, I, can, I, can, I, can I say it like a Jew now? Yeah, go for it. Kalevon Chaison. That I am sure that is how the uh, actual pronunciation is down in Louisiana. Uh, but Clavon Chason, Chason, uh, edge rusher out of LSU. Um, this is probably one of the most um, raw prospects in the draft right now. Super athletic, but doesn't quite have the uh, the film and production to really back it up. Has some serious bright spots and could be a premier edge rusher in the NFL. Just hasn't really put it all together. Um, I think having Alden Smith there does allow for a little leniency to have him develop. He could definitely learn some things from both Smith and Demarcus Lawrence, so that would be a good learning opportunity for him. Um, They do have needs at cornerback. They do have needs at safety. I just don't think the value would be there uh, at pick 17, so I have them going, Jason. Next up, is the Miami Dolphins. I almost called them the New York Dolphins. I don't know why. This is the first super reach of the draft. I have them taking Josh Jones, offensive tackle out of Houston. Personally, I don't think Josh Jones is anything more than a fringe first rounder. I wouldn't pick him before maybe he picked 24, 25. But goddamn, do the Dolphins need to protect Joe Burrow. I'm sorry, not Joe Burrow. uh, Justin Herbert. Man, they should get Joe Burrow, though. Um, I just I don't know how you could not take offensive tackles here um, at 18. Just it could be Josh Jones. It could be Austin Jackson. It could be Lucas Niang, whoever it may be. Just you have to build a foundation for your new quarterback. You can't let him just be. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Josh Rosen, just slinging the ball as quick as they can because they need to get it out. They need to build that foundation. Um, so this is definitely a need pick for the Dolphins. Which is fair. 
Yeah, uh, it's a need pick that is an absolute necessity. Who do you think's in a better spot right now? Um, it's tough because the Dolphins have so much more draft capital. Uh, but taking that aside, who do you think's in a better position right now? Only accounting first round picks, uh, the Dolphins or the um, Bengals? Um, man, that's tough. I mean, because I'd say the Bengals have better day one starters in general only because the dolphins are a hot mess of a roster um and they're about to get the better of the of the two quarterbacks between these two teams but the dolphins also have a ton of cap space and they have a ton of draft capital so i mean i guess when i when i look at your question i view it as who would you rather the first overall pick or those three first round picks. And as much as I am the kind of person to say, yeah, you, you have a lot of holes. You need to, you know, fill those holes. You need to do that with first round capital with the way this first round has kind of fallen so far. Um, I mean, I don't love Josh Jones. I don't think he's a, a shoe in to be a, a starting offensive tackle for the rest of his career. He is a project. Uh, I won't spoil their third pick, but it's good, not great. I don't know. I I just think Joe Burrow is good enough as a prospect to be worth trading all three of those first-round picks. Fair. Um, That's just kind of how highly I think of him compared to Herbert and the rest of the Dolphins' picks as they show, as they fall. Okay, that's fair. Um, But believe me, I... If the Dolphins or whoever it may be chooses to have three first round picks start for them next year, which all of them will, that's not a bad move. Oh, let me before we just move on real quick, let me phrase this the same question a different way. Who do you think uh, ends up in playoff contention first between these two teams? Oh, man. Um, I would say the Dolphins just because they are in a division that is. No offense to the Jets and, you know. Oh, way more of that grabs. division. Way more way, of that Way easier path to get to contention than the AFC North right now. I the mean, Patriots are definitely on a downslide. How far they downslide is the question, but they're definitely going to be on a downslide. And the Jets and Bills both have upside, but mm-hmm. the amount to which that is true is questionable. Like, I, I would definitely say the Bills are the front runner to win that division next year. I'd agree. But it's it's not like I'm confident making that pick right now. No. Um, so like the the Bengals are a very clear number four in their division. The Dolphins are also a very clear number four, but the difference is significantly closer. So yeah, I would I would say the Dolphins. All right. Um. All right. Moving on to nineteen. The Raiders, they're taking Javon Kinlaw, defensive tackle out of South Carolina. Uh, this is the Raiders' second pick. Uh, C.D. Lamb was their first. Now they're taking uh, something on the defensive side of the ball. Kinlaw's a guy who could be a, you know, a 3-4 defensive end, a 4-3 uh, defensive tackle. He's the kind of guy who can rush the passer from the interior. This is a big fall for him. I, I honestly, in the actual drafts, I probably don't expect him to fall all the way to 19. Uh, he's definitely a, a top 12, top 15 player uh, talent-wise. 
just the way things uh, landed here. Uh, he happened to fall a little bit. So this is a great BPA pick for the Raiders, who do have a, a fair amount of holes to fill. Um, Hurst is their really only star defensive tackle, and he has some longevity and health issues uh, and concerns. So this is a, a nice pickup for the Raiders. Yep. <laughs> Moving on, we now have the Jaguars' second pick at number 20. Uh, this was pretty intriguing uh, for me because... Uh, Jeffrey Okuda is definitely the clear number one. I think CJ Henderson is the clear number two cornerback. I don't really have a strong candidate to be the the standout number three cornerback. So I went with uh, a high upside guy here with Christian Fulton, uh, cornerback out of LSU. Both Jalen Ramsey and AJ Boye got shipped out in the past year. Um, <coughs> I wrote Stingley will get a ton of reps early here. Stingley is a was a true freshman last year for LSU and was the standout cornerback opposite Fulton. A uh, little Freudian slip there, but Fulton is still going to be their cornerback one, going to get a ton of reps. Uh, he's going to have a lot of op- opportunity, or whoever the cornerback here is going to be, but they do have that huge need. Yeah, I will just redouble my comment about the Jaguars churning through defensive pieces right now. Yeah, it's amazing how much they've been able to fuck up that team because it was such an amazing defense and now all of them are gone mm-hmm. it's, i just it's i've wild. never seen anything like it happen so all right next up pick 21 is the philadelphia eagles little story time um i was in my car a lot today at work driving around uh doing my thing and my aux cord broke so i had to listen to the radio and I settled on Philadelphia Sports Talk Radio. And this guy was talking about how he didn't want the Eagles to trade up for a wide receiver in the first round because it would be the expectation that they draft a Hall of Famer. What? And he wasn't sure he wanted to trade up to do that. What? And there was just so many little things that I just wanted to sit down with him and ask him like why would you expect to draft a hall of fame player like that's that shouldn't be an expectation when you're trading up like that's you want to trade for a guy who can help your team like sorry what was that i said that like that's like the 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 uh goal of every gm everywhere is to draft the next hall of fame player that's stupid right like hall of fame caliber players are the absolute peak you could ever possibly get with a draft pick. Like, there's nothing higher than a Hall of Fame level player. Why would that be an expectation? Man, fuck that guy. Um, and so I don't know. He he went into some other things, but I don't want to spend all time just talking about the 20 minutes of this guy's talk show that I just had to sit through and just question my reality. Um, so the Eagles do get themselves a number one wide receiver. Uh, one of the late bloomers in this class that's really come on strong late and has turned into one of my favorite players, Denzel Mims, wide receiver out of Baylor, just an absolute athletic freak that could do just so many things. Excellent receiver, excellent at the, uh, different routes he can run. 
uh, terrific blocker as well, has tremendous size, reminds me a lot of Alshon Jeffrey. Um, and playing on the same team as Jeffrey will give him a, a very good chance to, to learn and to develop. Uh, I don't think he's one of these raw players that isn't going to be able to perform early. Um, I mean, he's going to be their number three receiver behind Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson, um, but I think he would get his time to shine, uh, and I think he would be a, an excellent, excellent pick for the Eagles. Dope. Yeah, that team's just trying to stay as competitive as possible in that division, and since they have their quarterback situation figured out, giving him more weapons can never hurt. All right, that actually just reminded me of uh, something else he said that just made me angry. Please he was doing me. this like segment on like what ifs with the Eagles. What ifs this happened? What if that happened? So he was doing this what if. What if Carson Wentz never got hurt the year they went to the Super Bowl? Okay. And his synopsis was if Carson Wentz never got hurt, then he would have won the MVP. Whoa. But they which was fine. He was he was on track he was the mvp favorite when he got hurt like that wasn't what i was upset about but he said they wouldn't have won the super bowl because carson wentz was still a a young quarterback and he wasn't sure he could have played up to the level that nick Foles played in in both the playoffs and the super bowl oh boy wow that's that's he he acknowledged that he was the best player in football that year, but wasn't as good as Nick Foles in the playoffs. And I was just sitting there. I came to a stop. I parked and was like pulling my hair out because I just couldn't take this guy talking about this. Oh, it just blew my mind. I don't remember what, uh, what station it was. I don't remember the guy's name. Just if you host a Philadelphia sports talk show on the radio, you're an idiot. All of them. Uh, uh, let's just move on. I don't even have anything to say to that. Yeah. All right. Pick number 22, the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, there is a new man on the Minnesota Vikings uh, replacing uh, Stefan Diggs. So Justin Jefferson, wide receiver out of LSU. Um, I personally think he's a fringe first rounder, but he has... He hasn't really shown that he can't do anything. It's just this is such a deep wide receiver class that he's kind of the next man up after the uh, the top guys here. And with Diggs gone, I think he could easily fit in with Thielen. Uh, he can do pretty much uh, pretty much anything for them. And because they're they have two picks here at twenty two and twenty five, I see them going Jefferson here, wide receiver. Uh, right ahead of the Saints, who might also be in the market for a guy opposite of Michael Thomas. Uh, so, Justin Jefferson. Yeah, makes sense. They uh, they lost digs and need a replacement. Yeah. So next up, we have pick 23, the New England Patriots. This This one is a little weird. I have them going Jordan Love, quarterback out of Utah State. I know all of the Patriots fans think uh, Jared Stidham is going to be the guy to replace Tom Brady. I know others think they're just trying to bottom out and tank so that they can get Trevor Lawrence next year. Both can easily be the case. Um, I think Bill Belichick is a smart guy. I think he knows 
this isn't a team that he has this year that is going to be able to compete for a Super Bowl, let alone the division. So I think he's going to realize, hey, finding a quarterback in the NFL is really fucking hard. They lucked into a sixth round pick, taking 199th overall. We have a guy in Stidham that we like. We think he can be the replacement. We're also in a spot where we can tank for a quarterback next year and get maybe the next Tom Brady and uh, Trevor Lawrence. We also have a guy, Jordan Love, here who could be a star quarterback if he figures everything out now. Let's put everything we can to find a quarterback. Let's invest what capital we have right now in finding the guy so that we can build around him for the future. If it takes more than just one pick to find the right quarterback, so be it. That's how important it is to find this position. And I think that's something, you know, we've seen the Cardinals do with Josh Rosen and Kyler Murray. We've seen the Dolphins do it with just all the fucking quarterbacks they've had the past, you know, two years. Josh Rosen, Fitzpatrick, uh, whoever it was, Tannehill. They're just putting everything they can to find a quarterback. They're trading capital to find guys just to see what they can do. So I think they can bring Love in, compete with Stidham for the uh, starting role, see what they can do. If it doesn't work out, they could trade him for a second, third round pick next year, like what happened with Josh Rosen, and move on. But I think this would be the smartest move for them to make at this point. I, I just don't think I just can't get past the rationale here that you think that he might ever come close to beating out Hoyer the Destroyer for the starting job. I mean, this is clearly Brian Hoyer's <laughs> to lose. He has uh, aged you had like me a fine wine. <laughs> <laughs> oh you're man, not, you're it... not ready for the next fifteen years of Brian Hoyer. Oh, God, you thought the Brady era was bad. Wait till you see what Hoyer the Destroyer's got up his sleeves. There's no fucking way that he can start week one. I I would be amazed. I like I will say this on the podcast for the whole public to hear. If Brian Hoyer is the starter for the Patriots week one, I'll I'll give Josh ten bucks. I don't know. That's an easy bet to make. All right, you heard it here, folks. When, when Brian Hoyer, Brian Hoyer's the whole league starting week one, Corwin's going to have to Brian Hoyer me $10. Week one starter for the Patriots. If some other team's quarterback is hurt and Hoyer's released and signs with them or gets traded, doesn't count. That's a, that's a oh, fair caveat. I'll put one stipend in there. That's, a, no, that's, a, that's very fair. <laughs> All right. Next up, let's move on to the Saints, pick 24. The Saints have absolutely no holes in their team. They do have Kiko Alonso as a middle linebacker starting for them this season. I was going to say you could have just stop that they do have Kiko Alonso. <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's, as far as teams go, as, you know, team construction goes, the Saints probably have the best roster in the NFL. But man, Kiko Lonzo is just Kiko fucking sucks. Like he was good for a little while. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's he's had his time in the sun, but his career is very much in the twilight. 
So why not give them one of the most athletic quarterbacks in the draft in Patrick Queen, linebacker at, excuse me, LSU, the fifth LSU player taken in the first round so far. Um, this is just one of those things where it's a perfect fit for them. You can really go Patrick Queen, uh, excuse me, Patrick Queen or Kenneth Murray. Um, both of these guys are super athletic, super rangy linebackers that, um, can cover both sides of the field, have that lateral quickness. Um, I would be excited to see either one of them play for the Saints just because it is really the only hole that they have. Uh, so I think this is a really good pick for them um, either way. Uh, Saints are good. That yeah, is a team. Saints are good. Let's just see how the, the refs just truly fucked them over this year. Because it'll wait. be something special. Can't wait for this year's crisis. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have the Vikings with their second pick. They've lost a lot on that D lineman this year, and a lot of D lineman uh, this year in free agency. So I have them taking Zach Bond, edge rusher out of Wisconsin. He's a kind of guy that can play the edge, can move on the inside for certain. Uh, for certain personnel groupings, wherever you need him, he can do it. So I think they're really going to love that versatility uh, and that size. So Zach Bond out of Wisconsin, not the sexiest pick, but whatever. It's the end of the first round. Who gives a shit? Yeah, just trying to stay competitive in that division. Just yeah. making tweaks, making adjustments. All right, pick 26. We have the Dolphins' final pick in the first round. I have them taking Cesar Ruiz, uh, interior offensive lineman out of uh, Michigan, top interior O-lineman in the draft. Um, again, this just goes, you got to protect Herbert. You know, if one of the wide receivers falls, I could see them drafting weapons there, whatever it may be. I could also see them just waiting for the second round because there's a limited number of guys ahead of or behind them that are going to be looking for those thing, uh, those players at this point. Uh, so, yeah, just protect your guy. Get Ruiz. Protect Herbert. Protect him at all costs. Next up, pick 27, the Seattle Seahawks. Taking Penn Stater, Yitor, Gross Matos, edge rusher out of Penn State. I already said Penn State, whatever. Just remind you again. Hey, he went to Penn State. That's an amazing um, name. <laughs> uh, again, another versatile D lineman for them. Uh, is on the smaller end of edge rushers. Uh, he does have the the frame to bulk up. Uh, I will say, you know, I've definitely watched him the most out of any one of these players in the first round just because I've seen every single game he played in some multiple times. He has the technique. He has the pass rush set. His only glaring weakness is he's small. He doesn't quite have the muscle that you would want from uh, you know, hands in the dirt defensive lineman. But because of the the defense that the Seahawks run, he could play defensive ends. He can move inside to D-tackle. If he bulks up a little bit, he could play Leo. He could do whatever they need. He has that versatility. He has that intelligence. He has the work ethic to be able to improve himself. Um, he's one of those guys where I had him fall a little bit just because as much as I want to take him higher, I know I'm biased. Uh, I definitely would 
you know, at 17, I wanted to put him there to the Cowboys because I thought he's better than Clavion Chason. But I know most of the NFL scouts don't agree with me. I don't want my bias to really overtake this draft. I wanted to be fair. So I have him going 27 to the Seahawks, um, which I think is a, a fantastic fit. Uh, yeah, that's probably not going to retain Clowney. Most likely, there's a chance that his price tag's lowering. And again, tweak, tweaks and, and adjustments is uh, what good teams do to stay relevant. I saw Clowney wanted like 17, 18 million uh, per year. Yeah, uh, down from over 20 was what it was originally reported as. So taking. Uh, yeah, that's just like. Drop the price. That would basically put him as. If he got 18 million, he would be the third highest paid uh, defensive end in the NFL, which talent wise is a little rich. Production wise, very rich. But. I could easily see a team put putting out that kind of money for him. Um, but the longer he holds out, likely the longer it's going to be before, uh, or I'm sorry, the the lower his cost is going to be. Just going to be a wait and see. This is a yeah. weird time. Oh, yeah. Wow. Khalil Mack makes $23.5 million per year. He's worth it, but damn, that's a lot of money. Um. All right, moving on. Let's see, where are we? The Ravens at 28. They're kind of in the exact same boat as the Saints, where they don't have a lot of holes. They do have a pretty glaring hole at linebacker. So Kenneth Murray, linebacker out of Oklahoma. Again, athletic freak, because why not put those all those guys on the Ravens? Uh, fuck you, rest of the NFL. Like, goddamn, that team is going to be difficult to scheme, difficult to develop a, a game plan against, and just... They're going to fuck some really good teams up just because they're built to fuck with more traditionally built teams. Yeah, no, they're going to be quite a uh, front to get through uh, in the AFC North. Probably, nah, not probably. The clear favorite to win that division. They, uh, I think they're going to be my AFC favorites next year. I think, uh, I think I, I'm going to have them go into the... It'll, it'll be an interesting competition between them and the Chiefs. That head-to-head matchup will probably be a tiebreaker. Yeah, I mean, this is basically what I think the AFC Championship is going to be for the foreseeable future. All right. All right, pick 29, the Tennessee Titans taking A.J. Epinesa, defensive lineman out of Iowa. Um, I don't know if many people remember the, uh, I guess the initial mock draft we did for 2020 last year where maybe it was just us talking about top prospects to keep an eye on. I basically said you could uh, put AJ Epinesa's name in, in pen to be a lock for the top 10, maybe the top five. Um, I don't know if you could tell by the fact that he's going 29th, but maybe I was a little early to call that. Um, he just, he doesn't have the athleticism that you would want out of an NFL prospect. Um, still has some great production, still has some really tremendous uh, traits, and his strength is amazing. Has the versatility to play edge or move inside. Um, he's still that, still a first-round player in my mind. So 
replacing Jarrell Casey, uh, helping out with the pass rush. I think uh, I think the Titans would be happy to have this kind of guy here, and I think uh, Mike Vrabel of all people would see his talent um, outside of his athleticism and realize that he is uh, he's worthy of a, a pick here in the first round. Um, all right, moving on. Pick number thirty: the Packers taking T. Higgins, wide receiver out of Clemson. You got to put weapons around Aaron Rodgers. Um, T. Higgins has. Uh, a great ability to catch the ball, uh, not the most athletic, uh, doesn't always get the best separation, but his hands are terrific, uh, absolute, just, they're, they're magnets for the ball. Um, and I think that's what a guy like Aaron Rodgers needs. Um, just a guy that he can put it in a tight window, he can put the ball where it needs to be, where only the wide receiver can catch it. He just needs the guy to catch it, and that's been an issue for all of these late late round wide receivers that the Packers have been rolling with outside of Devontae Adams, uh, Alan Lazard, uh, Montez or Monte Valdez, Scantling, uh, Geronimo Allison, Geronimo Allison, whoever it may be. Um, T. Higgins. I know this is might be a little early for him, but I think he's a good Packers. Okay. Uh, Let's just power through these last two. 31, the 49ers taking AJ Terrell, cornerback out of Clemson. Uh, this is kind of the, the biggest need left for the 49ers, who had uh, another pick earlier, taking Jerry Judy. Um, I think it's a smart pick, good value for them. Uh, again, I'm not the best at evaluating corners, so it's hard to distinguish the ranking of these guys after one and two uh terrell could be as high as three as low as six so having him be the number four guy i think is a pretty decent value there and then 32 jeff gladly cornerback out of tcu easily could be flip-flopped whatever it may be um but either one of these guys the chiefs take gladly he's going to be their cornerback one if they take terrell He's going to be their cornerback one. That's just kind of the way it's going to go. Okay. All right. So that's the first round. I'm excited to see how it goes whenever this eventually happens. Yeah. Because not confident it happens uh, when they say it will. I have. This looks great. I love love doing this every year with you. I I love how much much effort goes into this. This is my edge. This is always my primer to the draft. So I hope it is for you at home as well. Uh, Corwin has a great track record with at least having, because the, the, these drafts, the, no one's mock draft is perfect. It's impossible, but getting a sense of positional need and overall where people should be within a certain pick plus or minus uh, space is always um, something that the Corwin's mock drafts are really, really good for. So I always appreciate these and thank you for doing it once again. Hey, happy to do it. I'm glad I could do it. I actually want to pull up my 2019 draft just to see how many I got right. Um, So I have four picks in last year's first round that I got both pick and player right. Um, A couple more that I had mentioned at the time during... uh, Did we do a drinking game for this? I don't think think I did. Maybe you uh, we 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 could go into this more once it gets closer to the draft and we figure out 
what we're gonna do with it, what everyone does with it. But yeah, it, it was uh, it was pretty cool. Right on, it was a fun time. I really enjoyed doing this. I'm sure we'll talk about this more once we figure out what ends up happening with the drafts. Yeah, well, that's gonna be a whole different conversation. Um. I had a couple baseball stats things, but we can leave it for another time since uh, we uh, have been running for a little while and it's late here on mm-hmm. the East Coast. Uh, this episode will drop only a couple hours after uh, we finish recording here, so I can save that for later. Um, that just leaves us with this weekend's movies as Corwin and I go looking oh, ahead yeah. towards our Monday episode. Uh, Corwin, what is your official choice? Uh, my choice is Good Time, starring Robert Pattinson by the Safdie Brothers, directors of recent cinema uh, release Uncut Gems. A great choice. Great choice. I will be sticking with Moneyball um, since I mentioned it already and kind of want to rewatch it anyway. So those will be our choices. We will talk about those on Monday, which will be so fucking weird. But uh do you, you know it? where you can watch uh, Moneyball? I'm gonna have to rent it from someplace. I forget where. Um, I forget if it's an Amazon or, or um, um, if it's on a premium channel or something. But I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna have to rent it from somewhere. Gotcha. Uh, if you do want to follow along, uh, Good Time is available on Netflix. Dope, dope, dope. Let me get an official answer for you on Moneyball. Um, to spread out, to spread the. Ch- it's a. Available for $2.99 on Vudu, Amazon Prime, and uh, $3.99 on YouTube. So don't get it on YouTube. YouTube. Fuck you, YouTube. Yeah, uh, it does stream on Stars if you are... Um, One of the two people paying for Stars. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, it also is streaming on Hoopla. Hoopla? I don't know what Hoopla is. Hoopla. Hoopladigital.com. That's not... I don't... I, uh, I don't trust like that. Hold um, on. Hold on. I clicked the link for it on uh, this website I use to like see where it streams. I clicked on the link for Hoopla Moneyball and it popped up Pastry Baking Basics with Chef Tom Small. Yes, yeah, same thing. It's the exact same thing. <laughs> um, all right. All right. Yeah, Hoopla well, does not, in fact, have Moneyball, in case you were wondering. <laughs> Now that we have that answered. <laughs> I know everyone was dying to know that. Check out your lo- local Hoopla store for more information. Um, all right, so those are the movies. Uh, give them a watch over the weekend if you so choose, or if you've seen them before, then check out what we have to say about them on Monday, and feel free to give us your angry-ass opinions like we give a shit. Um, <laughs> any, any, any final thoughts, Corwin? Um, no. All right, then we'll get out of here. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at JuicingPod. And if you want to hit us up via email, you can do so at JuicingTheNumbers at gmail.com. And until Monday, y'all have a good one. Bye.